Hello, welcome back to Retrieving Sanity with your host, Keegan. Now today, my friends, I just want to talk about a little something that we all go through. We all experience it, and in fact, it's impossible to not go through this. It helps shape, mold, and refine us to become who we are. Now, at the same time, it's very subtle. We don't even realize that it's happening most of the time, and other times it's bright as daylight obvious, and that's the kind that you're usually, like, stuck with icky feelings. Now, what I'm talking about is our inner child, our childhood, and it is extremely important to know how our inner child developed so that we can better go about being our best selves. Now, with childhood, we don't have a lot of say-so. We don't really get much of a choice in anything. You don't get to choose your parents, your foster parents, your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, none of that. We have zero choice, and it all lies with those people. So, ultimately, whatever they do, especially on your behalf, will help shape you into the adult that you are. But at the same time, there's this little bit of us that we call the inner child. And this child can be great and just super strong, mentally aware, and like just ready to take on the world. And then you have other people like myself that the inner child needs to be healed because without the healing, we're not going to be our best selves. And this comes about in all sorts of ways. And the one I want to talk about is more along the lines of our attachment style. Our attachment style is how we deal with relationships. And whether that is romantic or platonic or any, a lot of it will fall back from things in our childhood. Now, with our inner child, that's the one part of our childhood we can control. And it may not feel like it, but we can actually do something about it. But, of course, as with everything else, if we don't recognize and understand that there's a problem, we can't do anything about it. So, some people might have had a fantastic childhood and others had essentially none. So, some people get to be a kid the whole time. And then other people have to become the caregivers of maybe their parents, but even their siblings and so on and so forth. Now, those people have to grow up. And by grow up, I be an adult in a kid's body. And again, kids don't have say in anything. They're just kind of along for the ride. So it sucks that your fate is in someone else's hands. So with that, we really, really have to dig into ourselves and figure out what's going on. Because like I said, your inner child could be great. 100% okay, good for you. Awesome. Happy for you. Most of us don't have that. We all do have experience as a child. So what we have to do is recognize those little bits and parts of that inner child that really needs work. And this kind of work is either somatic, psychological, or just anything. Now, what sucks about it, again, is we have no say. The only say we had was nothing. I'm sorry, you cannot do much as a child. And therefore, your fate is just up in the air. And so it's really, really important, especially if you're a parent, to do the best for your kid. But see, that's not to say that people are going to intentionally cripple their children. There's not really feasible for a good parent to do that. But I understand people can be monsters. So let's just focus on the more average inner child, if you will. So I shall use my inner child as an example, and maybe some other people's, I don't know. But one thing I am positive of is that we never really grow up. The only thing is we learn how to act in public. Otherwise, 
our little child can just run free, have fun, go play in mud, catch bugs, all that fun stuff. So whatever it is that we need to heal from, first we need to kind of get an idea of what happened. So a lot of this can be really difficult to, well, observe or make knowledge of because all this happens whenever we're kids. I don't know about you, but it's been a hot minute since I've been a kid. And <laughs> like I said, some people just don't actually grow up whatsoever. So yes, there are the people that are just kids, kids, and kids at heart. Then you have people that are adults, but they can have fun with their inner child. Our attachment style is actually heavily, heavily based on our childhood. And this love language of ours can be confusing to some. It can be frustrating for the person that has it. And it can just be really difficult to work with. So what makes this so interesting is the sheer fact that our attachment style actually gets developed whenever we are about two years old. Yeah, two years old. And our brains are already firing into overdrive. And that's a thing. Kids are supposed to learn. They're supposed to experience. And that's how we get most of our traits as adults. So some people had helicopter parents, and that kid usually turns out to be rebellious. Then you have other people that they could care a little bit more about the kid. However, it does not matter how your parents are for the sheer fact that it's happening whenever you're two years old. I don't know how much I can stress that. And the thing is, again, we may never know what it was that actually started certain attachment styles. And with a kid not having experience to pull back on, their brains are actually just firing all over the place, trying to figure out how to survive. So that's where our attachment style kind of comes from. It's our brain, it's our body trying to survive. And it's not easy, but our brains are super fantastic and they're incredible with patterns and behaviors. Now, some people, well, are more aware than others, as I'm sure I don't need to tell you is you watch that person on the highway just zoom on past 20 over the speed limit, but I digress. The hard part about this different love languages, this attachment style, is learning which one you have. But after you learn which one or multiple ones that you have, then you can start working on it. But again, it's not easy. You're literally going through years and years and years of reinforcement of what you learned to survive. So it's hard to really enjoy yourself whenever you're surviving. That's living paycheck to paycheck. That's not living, that's surviving. And don't know about you, but that stuff sucks. So our little brains as kids are always trying to make a pattern visible, understandable. And like I said, this all develops subconsciously. We're not really thinking whenever we decide what attachment style we have. And of course, we don't get to choose like, oh, I'll take A with the side of C and maybe a little bit of E on the side. Yeah, we don't get that. And if we did, I don't think we would actually comprehend what it all is. So we have to take a look at those actions around us. We have to take a look at the environment that we were in. And again, we may never know the actual story. And that's okay. That doesn't mean you can't work on this. It just means that you're going to have a little bit of a harder time just because you don't have that path you can walk down. And some people do, some people don't. Some people have a golden brick road. What? The yellow brick road. That's it. Sorry. <laughs> so it's not impossible to heal that inner child. However, like I said, it can be very difficult. But first, 
let's get an idea of what some attachment styles are. An attachment style, it, like I said, is how someone relates and goes about forming relationships. And this is most noticeable in intimate relationships, but it can be with any that you have, even with acquaintance from work. And you only see Jerry at the water cooler. Sarah's kind of always in the break room for some reason. But that's the thing. Everyone is different. Whenever we look at some of the styles, we have a secure attachment, an insecure attachment, avoidant, ambivalent, disorganized, and there's a few others. But I think that's kind of enough to give you an idea of what they can be like. So before I get too far into this, I just want to say the most stable one, the one that is most rounded out, is the secure attachment style. From Google's Bard, we're actually looking at something that it defines as the most common attachment style. It's characterized by a child's ability to trust and rely on their caregivers. Children with secure attachment feel safe and secure in their relationships, and they're able to explore the world with confidence, with some gusto. And I don't know about you, but <laughs> that was not me. And the thing is, though, is that that's something I'm striving for. It's something that I have that I'm actively working on. So if you don't have that secure attachment style, just, it's okay, calm down. It may be the most common, but I don't really think common is fun or interesting. I don't know. That's just me. So let's jump to the polar opposite. So if we have the secure attachment, we have the insecure. And it's developed whenever a child's needs are not consistently met by their caregivers. And there's three different types of insecure attachments. So let's go ahead and look at these and we'll break them down here in a minute. So the first one is that avoidant attachment style, right? It's kind of weird, avoid with the word attachment, like that, it doesn't really work, right? But this is why. Children with avoidant attachment tend to avoid closeness and intimacy with others. They may appear independent and self-sufficient, but they have a really hard time developing and culturing relationships. Sounds about right to some of you, I'm sure. So let's look at the ambivalent. Children with ambivalent attachment tend to be clingy and demanding of attention. They may also be anxious and insecure in their relationships. So right here, we can already see that the caregiver is the one that ultimately starts to shape the kid. And it's not so much that they choose to shape someone this way. It's just kind of how everything unfolds. You could be getting everything you want as a child, but say you're really, really picky and needy and your parents do it. They spoil you. Well, what happens whenever you grow up? Yeah, you're going to be spoiled and kind of a brat. But to each their own. If you enjoy it, you keep being you. <laughs> Fom, I don't know. Fom is now a name. There we go. So on this other side, we have a disorganized attachment style. Children with... uh disorganized attachment have a confused and inconsistent pattern of behavior. They may seem fearful or withdrawn, and they may have difficulty regulating their emotions. So, again, we can see that the caregiver is the primary artist in creating this mold. And as everything starts to, well, you get older, everything starts to get more refined. And again, with life, everything 
everything is all about perception. Again, to some, a happy ending movie could be like a letdown for others, like a rom-con. But with our attachment styles, it's a little bit different because they have defined characteristics. So if you meet a certain criteria, you actually fall into one of these. But don't fret. The whole point of finding out your attachment style is to improve upon it. And not improve as in, well, you have the ambivalent, so you're super clingy. It's not trying to say like, yo, go get a surgery and just attach yourself to someone else at the hip. Yeah, it's not saying that. What it's trying to say about improving our inner child or healing, it would bring us closer to the secure attachment. And again, it's built with trust and consistency. Those two things are huge whenever it comes to surviving. And so it's even more important to our young brains. So again, we don't really get to choose which attachment style we are born with or develop into, but we can work on it and it just takes a little bit of gusto. It takes a little bit of, but it does take a certain level of action. And there's a different kind of action that comes into play too and it's more of a passive nature. Threes and wise because we can trust ourselves a whole bunch, or not at all, but whenever it comes to other people, some people just innately trust them, and some people innately distrust them. And the only way you can build trust is through consistency and time. So, if you have the attachment style that makes you kind of avoidant, not trust people, be a little insecure, you're probably going to have to work on your trust. And it's not easy because you don't get to choose. You get to choose who you give a little bit of yourself to to see if they'll break it, but you don't get to choose if they do or not. You have to choose if you're going to let yourself be vulnerable. And believe me, it sucks whenever it does not go, well, the way you wanted. But at the same time, it's probably what was best if it didn't pan out. So having an attachment style does not give you every little piece of the puzzle. It doesn't make you super intelligent about your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts, but it does help. And again, that's the thing. If we want to become better people, if we want to take care of our mental health, we actually have to pay attention to a lot. And that's because everything can go back to our mental health. It can be our thought process, our moral compass, what you want to eat, what you don't want to eat, so on and so forth. Everything can be attributed to mental health in the end. But, again, if we don't know that there's something to improve, we're probably just going to go straight on trucking like we are. And then if you do that, you're probably going to be like, hmm, why do I keep getting all these weird Facebook messages? No, I don't want to see that. Click. Or it'd be something more along the lines of, hey, bro, like, why is this your sixth girlfriend this week and she's already stabbed you? Don't you think that there's something to change? And Billy is over there just like, nah, it's okay. Uh, my new girlfriend, she works at the ER. Yeah, she, she'll suture me up. Well, so if we have to actually take notice of all this. And it is very tiring because everything can go back to our mental health. So it's taking all of this one step at a time. And while you're doing this kind of work, you're doing regression, you can actually start to connect a whole bunch of dots. And that connection of dots is what's going to give you the best chance at improving yourself. Now, I also want to say this real quick. You cannot heal someone. You cannot do anything for that person besides break them down. You can show them love, but 
you can't make them love you or themselves. If someone wants to wallow in self-pity and be depressed all the time and full of teenager angst, if they want to be like that, you can't do anything about it. You can give them little bits of advice or tough love, but the thing is, <laughs> that is their perception. That is their truth. That is their world. If they want it, then they choose it. And this goes especially if they are aware that there's something wrong. If they are actively aware that they have a lot of shortcomings, they just don't want to put in the work. They're lazy. Or maybe they're just scared. Because a lot of people actually fear success just as much as fear of failure. But I digress. Whenever we are doing some of this regression work, we can start to connect those dots. And with those dots, connecting the dots, making the map bigger, might give us a better idea of where we're going if we stay on that same course. And for some people, as you're doing the regression, like myself, you actually find all these different aspects that actually fit together. Whenever you think about it, it's like, oh, hey, I didn't realize I was suppressing that. Ooh, spicy memory loss. Like, I mean, I have a lot of concussions and decade of alcohol to blame, but not to fret. I am going to try my best to improve myself every day. And I hope you do the same. Or the ones around you that love you, they want to see you do well too. But with that being said, we have to be willing to work. And <laughs> again, I said it's not easy. I didn't say that to like make you say, oh yeah, it's like backbreaking work. But the thing is, it's very difficult because opening yourself up to being vulnerable just means that you're vulnerable. Are you going to let someone in? And whenever you do, are they trustworthy? Are they someone that you can trust with your bank account? Is it someone that you can trust with this or that? And whenever I say trust, there are different levels of trust. So you can start on the furthest out and let them get a little closer every time. But that's the thing. You only get to choose if you're going to try and trust them. Their actions along the way will tell you, like, yes or do not trust this person, especially with this. So... Our inner child has a lot to do with who we are as an adult. Again, I said some of us don't really, like, you know, grow up, and then others, they just never act like they had a childhood. And, again, it's a sad truth. Just because you're a child doesn't mean you're in a childhood. That denotes a lot of school time, playing in mud, going and hanging out with friends and your parents say as soon as those street lights turn on you better get your butt home and I, do they do that anymore am i just old i think i'm probably old anyways so with figuring out our inner child we'll be able to improve ourselves now of course again this is not going to be a magical fix all pill or action whatever but the thing is, I don't know about you, but I like knowing things, especially about myself. And not knowing what your inner child has gone through or what you could do to work on them, everything could be super duper confusing. And that's more frustrating than knowing the answer and then just not doing it. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just weird. What do you think? So, our inner child is very important. And a lot of people, their inner child is still backed into a corner. And so the thing is, whenever an animal or a human is caught in a corner, no escape, well, you tried flight, now you're kind of at freeze, but the last option you have is fight. A lot of people fight back. And that's the thing, though. This person may be acting this way because that is how they're surviving. That's what they had to do as a child. 
That's what they had to do to get to where they are. And again, you can't change that on someone. All you can do is just show them the road. Maybe not sit there and tell them how to live their life. Oh, do not do that. But what you can do is sit there and say, hey, man, I've noticed you get real aggressive whenever this topic gets brought up or you're always just like super clingy and you get depressed whenever someone tells you no you can't hang out or any of that stuff you you can give some love like that but it's up to them to do all the work i'm going to repeat this throughout the series because a lot of us want to heal and help shape others to be better however it's not our choice. All you can do is work on yourself. And it's easier to help others work on themselves after you've picked up all of your pieces and glued and taped them all back together. It may have a little bit of a characteristic because you can't find a few pieces, but you know what? That's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect because guess what? The only thing that's perfect in this world is death. And even that's not necessarily perfect. I mean, look at CPR. Look at the automatic defibrillators that are everywhere. Death is getting kind of mad, I'm sure. <laughs> but again, we have to try or at least be willing. Now, if you don't know the step work from AA, CA, any of the A groups, then you probably won't know that in the steps... One of the key factors is being willing. Now, it doesn't say you have to do all of this. It's A lot of it is heavily suggested, but the thing is, what is important is the willingness to do something new, the willingness to change something, the willingness to just improve and trust others and love others and so on and so forth. It's not easy, again, never will be, however, it's worth it. And whenever you actually get a relationship that has substance to it, you're going to love it. And you're going to do a lot just to keep it going or improve it. So, I mean, it's not really a lose-win or lose-lose. It's called collaborating, not compromising. Compromise both parties lose. Collaborate, everyone gets more. So just thought I'd throw that out there because a lot of people think compromise equals peace because you both win because you both get a little something. That's not the case. Anyways, I digress again. So our inner child has a lot to do on our psyche. It has a huge part in how other people really look at us and yeah you could be one of those people that say well I don't care what that person thinks of me and oh and have this like turtle shell on your back that you go and hide in all the time but the thing is if you can genuinely say that you don't care what other people think about you then you don't like if someone is sitting there and tossing stuff into the rumor mill and it upsets you, you care. Just, you know. So, if you genuinely do not care, then you won't care. But, as myself, I've learned something while I was in the men of Nehemiah. I always thought that I didn't care what other people thought about me. It was always the, I'm going to do me and... Everyone else can go screw themselves, right? And, I mean, that's kind of how it is. But you have to look at the underlying factor. If you really don't care what someone says or thinks about you, it literally does not affect you whatsoever. But if you're like me, what I did was put on that persona of saying, I don't care what other people think. I don't care what other people do about me. And... I learned real fast that Nehemiah, that no, like, I actually cared too much about what other people thought of me. And I was using that as an excuse to have some 
lead weights around my foot and jump in the pool and, you know, I'm like, it's fine. I'm drowning, but it's fine. No, and that's the thing. A lot of this stuff it kind of makes you really humble to yourself because that's ultimately who you have to address whenever all is said and done. So if we look at our inner child and we can tell that there's some things that needed to be worked on, we can sit there and guess what? If your parents are still around, if your caregiver is still around, then you can go explore, pick their brain, figure out stories about you you didn't even know. And then that helps open up the doorway. Now, if you don't have your caregivers around or if they've passed, you can still do this. The thing is, it's going to be a little bit different because you have to fill in the blanks a little bit more. And you're going to fill in those blanks as you go along, but it's only if you actively look back as you're moving forward. Now, that's not saying that paying attention is going to do it all. No, it's actively looking back at yourself, comparing notes, and going from there. And it's okay to not be okay. It is okay to just say, man, this sucks. I need help. And guess what? That's what friends, family, and therapists are for. So I highly recommend looking into that because those people are great for your mental health, or at least they should be. So having our inner child be developed, it's outside of our control. So we have to keep in mind what we're capable of doing for ourselves and that which we are not. And a lot of it falls into what we can do for ourselves. Now, if you're saying that your childhood sucks because you don't have a left leg, yeah, like, I'm really sorry to hear that. That kind of sucks. It does suck, but now that you're older, what are you going to do about it? They've got prosthetics now. Are you going to go buy one and have your little childhood dream of going hiking the Grand Canyon or going up to Montreal to get yourself a nice thoroughbred Canadian goose? Yeah, I mean, if you want to do that, you can go and do that. So go get a prosthetic and then go on. And that's how it is for anyone and anything. You may not have it. You may have never had it. But with some work, with a little bit of gusto, you can go do and get what you want. Now, I do also want to say this before I get, before something bad happens. I wish they were that easy with money. All of us do, trust me. Our generations, if you haven't heard about it, go look up what they're calling this moment in our time. This is the silent depression. It's worse than the Great Depression. I'm sorry, but that shouldn't be a thing. It shouldn't be able to go like the Great Depression and sound like an action movie to silent depression. And it's like, I didn't know blind people could read a movie through Braille. Well, I mean, I guess they can. I didn't really think about that. No, they can still listen to it. Hmm. Yeah, I messed up. Don't worry about that. But the thing is, if it were so easy to get the money, we'd all have done it a long time ago. So, but working on yourself can open up an avenue in which you're able to make that revenue. So, it's what you do with yourself. And I'm going to harp on this because this is all about mental health. Everything plays into everything else. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you say about it. Everything is interconnected some way, shape, or form. If you don't believe me, let's play the Wikipedia game. Start with a topic that is your end goal. And I think there's actually a website for this now. But you choose one topic as your end goal. Then you find some random thing and you start clicking all the blue hyperlinks to other Wikipedia articles. And you know what? There's a lot of stuff that you would not think relates to something else, like bunny rabbits and the atomic bomb. Like, yeah, go check it out. It's cool. 
But the thing is, we have to dig and maybe take guesses as to how things correlate and work with each other. And again, it's not saying that if you figure out a little bit of a puzzle, you're going to automatically finish it. What it is saying, though, is that the pieces are there a little bit more and more noticeable, but they're still there to connect. And so you can look at it either which way. And the thing is, it's all up to you. You get it now? It's all you. And again, we can be mad and blame the world, blame our caregivers or whatever, but if you're doing that as an adult, you're doing that to yourself. So a lot of us like to sit there and say, well, my parents didn't do this, this, or this, and so I came out fine, or they didn't do this, this, and this, and so now I'm mad and resentful. No. You want to know why? Guess what another thing I learned or actually had a revelation about while I was in the men of Nehemiah. I was sitting there talking to my counselor and I just had a light bulb go off in my head, just a huge epiphany. And I was like, oh, holy crap. And she was like, what just happened? And I was like, oh, man. So I used to be kind of mad that my parents did things a certain way or they didn't do certain things. And I was like, man, how, like, why aren't they doing that? And then I had to remember, I'm 29 going through a rehab. And I'm 31 now, so 29 then going through a rehab and thinking that my parents had everything together while they were my age and having three kids. That's a lot to take into consideration because, I mean... 29 in a rehab, getting my crap together, and having three kids by age of 29, that's, a lot of people do that, and if you do that, my hat's off to you. I hope you're not killing yourself by expending all of your energy, but don't also beat yourself up because you were a parent. We don't really get a trial run at being a parent. Well, hang on. If you babysit, now if you babysit other people's kids, that is the trial run, and you get paid. But it's not a good trial to actually go and explore certain avenues, because, well, it's not your kid. You get a little bit of an understanding, but ultimately, whenever you have your kids, it's <laughs> you got to wing a lot. And one thing I've learned as well is that we all wing a lot of stuff that we probably shouldn't wing, and we do it every day. But that's the thing, is that a lot of this stuff isn't taught in schools. And because it's not taught in schools, some parents never think about it. Some people just say, well, this is my morals, my beliefs, and so on and so forth. You know, like, that's it. My kid's going to develop their own. Well, guess what? You have to provide that blueprint. And... You can make the best blueprint by going back, connecting to your inner child, and having that part of you play with your kids. That's one of the great things about having an inner child, especially one that's healed, because you get to be your best you. And now you can be as good of a parent as you can try to be, but whenever it comes down to it, you can have fun and a loving, caring relationship with your kids. And maybe even like their little cousins or half-brothers, half-sisters, so on and so forth, any of that. It's great. You can do it, but again, it takes work. So, one of the things I do want to kind of leave with is that, yeah, it's not easy and... I wish other people would be able to get it, but again, nothing is really taught in school about our mental health. We might touch on it here and there, depending on which class we're going to, but all in all, it's our parents. And so you can't be incredibly mad at your parents. Again, hang on, some of you can, and I'm pretty sure you know why, and... 
So long as it's not something petty, then yeah, go ahead and dislike them. But don't just dislike them. Go, my parents did this and it really messed me up. Well, now you know one thing to not do with your kids. That's the best thing you can do is refine the teaching that you got. You can offer your experience, but your previous years of knowledge and everything can be passed down. And that's the way it should be. So having to work on ourselves is not easy. And if it were easy, we wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have a podcast. There wouldn't be people in active addiction or in asylums, which I don't really think they have those anymore. And if they do, they're called like behavioral health hospitals, I think. So the point is that we've gotten better at a lot of stuff. And we can strive for the best for our kids, for ourselves, for our inner child. Whenever we heal, we can help others heal too. And again, you cannot do this for someone. You can give them tools. You can give them a little pat on the back or whatever, but ultimately it's up to that person. And if that person wants to do better, they will listen and take your advice. Some people are just going to say, uh-huh, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. And you know what they're doing? They're just saying that to make you leave them alone. Now, I don't know your friends. I don't know basically anything about you besides that you're listening. But I do want to say that you are loved, okay? And you are good enough. It may not feel like it sometimes, but again, nothing in this world is black and white. It's all a weird monochrome. And with that, we get to choose the color palette that we paint with. We get to choose how it's going to look to us. And so, do the best you can for yourself. Do the best that you can for your children. And do your best that you can for people that are in your life. Because, again, life sucks. So, why make it worse and hard for someone else? That's how a lot of people decide to unsubscribe from life. And, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's, it's just a sad fact of life. Now, also, if you're wondering, they don't really offer refunds. Oh, for, for adulthood, they don't do refunds. They don't do rainy day checks or you know, pre-order. Well, actually, hang on. You can pre-order being a parent, not an adult. So, this <laughs> is what I'm going to call that. That's what it is. If you are expecting children, you have subscribed to parenthood. And you've got about nine months, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. Who knows? So, best of luck to you. What I can really say is that it's worth it. It's all worth it. And you just got to take one step at a time. And no, it's not easy. And yeah, you're going to fall. But you just pick yourself up. Find that inner child of yours. And play pin the tail on the donkey. Or, you know, throw that inner child of you on your shoulders and go to your favorite metal show. Anything like that. The point is, we have to make life fun. We have to make it ours. And it's not easy. It's not cure-all for anything, but it does make this life bearable, and it makes other people bear you a lot better if you're not always being a narcissistic, little, selfish, spoiled kid. Now, if you have one of those, no, you know, I'm not a parent, so I'm not going to offer any, well, I don't have advice, but yes, yeah, good luck. That's all I'll say, good luck. And at the end of the day, we can sit here and actually tell people stories. We get to tell people our experiences, our shortcomings, our things that we're proud of. We can do all of that, and we can enjoy every second of it. But you have to understand yourself, accept yourself, and love yourself. But having an inner child is a huge thing. Having a healed inner child. So you want that secure attachment style, right? 
because it's the best one and it's the most common. So if you're like me and figured out that that's the most common one, yeah, you probably got a little bit of work because I know I did. I still do. And that's what's great though. I'm willing to take action. I'm willing to listen and change my behaviors, my actions as need be. Nothing is set in stone. Nothing is set on a contract saying, hey, uh, I'm going to do this adult thing for like the next, can I do 20 years? 20? Yeah, we'll, we'll pull the plug at 20. No, it's not like that. But why not make it fun? So I just want to thank each and every one of you for listening at Friday morning to this weird little dude just off trying to help people out with mental health podcast. So I would love to hear anything that you want to say or have me cover a topic or whatever have you. This goes out to my friends that are celebrating life. This also goes out to the heartthrobs that you wish you could have loved yourself a little bit more. But you know what? It's okay. You are where you are, and where you are is where you're supposed to be. Whenever we have a course of action that we can take, whenever we need help figuring out which road to take or what to take a look at, that's what you have friends, family, and therapists for. Those people can help you move the obstacles out of your way. They can maybe light torches down the path that you're maybe not supposed to, but it's going to help you get to your end goal no matter what. And even if it doesn't, life is worth living. It's worth experiencing. It's fun to go on adventures. The circumference of the Earth is only like 24,000 some hundred miles. Yeah, that's a lot. But our cars usually have twice or four or five times that on our odometer. And you may have never even left the city you were born in. So come on, let's go explore. Be the best you for you, then that best you can be better for your kids, your parents, your loved ones, your anything and everything and anyone in your life. So again, I just want to say it's not going to be easy. And no, at first, it's kind of like going to the gym. You can work out every single day, but the thing is, you don't get to see your practice until everyone else sees it first. And it's hard to keep motivated. And that's why you've got to give yourself a pat on the back. I know it's hard. I know what it's like to be your own worst critic and harshest judge. But the thing is, we have to learn how to be a friend to, well, ourself. If we're not friends to ourselves, we'll sit there and keep beating up that inner child that's already wounded. So why do that to yourself? Again, I know, being neurodivergent isn't fun, isn't easy. Well, hang on, I kind of take it back. It is fun sometimes. But it's so strange to be your own best friend. And to help that inner child grow, your inner kid, the inner you, you got to be the adult or teenager, whatever. You have to be the person that you needed the most. But really, one of the things that we can do to actually help ourselves grow, help heal that inner child, is to be the adult, be the role model, be what you needed whenever you were a kid. Like I said before, hurt people, right? And the inverse is true. Healed people help heal people. So it's almost a double whammy. You have to be who you needed. But at the same time, a lot of us would feel like we can't be what we needed because we're not that. And that's where perception comes into a huge play of factors. Because with our perception, so is our world. So is our truth. And everyone's belief is a little bit different. But the thing with us being kids and growing up, 
like I said before, it's all about learning how to survive. It's learning what social situations you can do what in. It's learning when to set a boundary, when to listen to the advice of others. And yeah, of course, it's not easy. I'm not saying it's ever going to be easy, but it's going to feel a little bit more of a counterintuitive type because whenever we're kids, we are very, very impressionable. And so whenever we grow up with that mindset, with that perception, it's actually really hard to break out of it because it's what you've known. And that's the hard, hard, hard part about healing yourself all the way through is that we have to break our own mold. If you wear a mask long enough, it's going to be like this. If you wear a mask long enough, it's a lot like leaving a bicycle in a tree. It's just going to grow around it, envelop it. And we do that with our masks. We do that with hiding stuff just to ourselves because we think we don't deserve it. But here's the thing. Everyone deserves love. Well, everyone deserves to have a chance. And the person that is able to give you the most chances is yourself. So, I'm, again, you have to take steps. You can't sit there and be on a wheelchair at the top of a hill. You'll, you'll go down. You'll get where you want to go, but... <laughs> yeah. It's not going to be a fun ride. Maybe for a split second. It's kind of like whenever you throw your phone and as soon as it leaves your hand, you're like, ah, whoops. We can't do that with our little inner child. We have to be loving. We have to be understanding. We have to be willing to do what we need to do. So just take it one step and just keep pushing be tenacious tell the world hey you know what what happened last time that really sucked but guess what i'm not backing down go for it be little chihuahua you because really we look at life and everything is like way bigger than us and we're just this little dot so bark it up chihuahua bark it up so until i see y'all next week have fun have a good night, have a good day, any time of day that you're listening to this. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you next Friday at 7 o'clock. Again, if you or someone that you know is abusing drugs and you need some help, some guidance, anything like that, call 1-800-662-4357. And please don't forget that if you or someone else is struggling with suicidal thoughts, dial 988. Save a life, save your friend's life, just be nice to each other.